0: welcome to the more than coach speak podcast my name is chris holtman i'm the head basketball coach here at ohio state my co-host is terence dials terence was a terrific uh, player here at ohio state 2006 big 10 player of the year and he's currently on our coaching staff we look forward to bringing you interesting and insightful guests uh, that will dive into coaching and leadership uh, in the world of sports uh, thank you for listening enjoy this podcast Our next guest on more than coach speak is Ed Cooley. Uh, Ed is a tremendous basketball coach. He's a really good friend. Uh, Ed spent uh, the last 12 years as the head coach at Providence College and the uh, 21-22 season. But Ed led uh, Providence to a Big East championship uh, to a Sweet 16. He was Big East coach of the year for the first time, uh, I believe, as a Providence coach. Um I believe is the first Providence coach to ever be named Big East Coach of the Year. He also received several National Coach of the Year honors. Uh, Ed's teams are known for their toughness, their competitiveness, and their execution. I'm sure you'll enjoy this uh, this podcast uh, featuring Ed Cooley. All right, hey Coach. Uh, obviously, Ed, you and I've been friends for a long time. You've been one of my closest friends in coaching. Uh, I've got. Big time respect for you, you know. You have a different level of respect for a guy when you coach against him, uh, mm-hmm. just because um, you know you, you've prepared for te- their teams, all that. So I got tremendous respect for you as a, as a person, as a coach, and uh, I really appreciate you you being on here, my man. I, I really do. Um, it's a it's a it's really a, a great thing for us. First question, and you've addressed this already. Why leave Providence?
1: Well, first, I want to make sure I I let everyone know that's going to be listening to this. Providence will always be home for me. Providence is a place that is special. It's unique. It's a place where all of my roots are, my wife's roots, my children. You know, it just felt like it was time for a change, not that it was anything bad at Providence, the president, and Ken Sicard, the athletic director, and Steve Napolillo, you know, 53 years in the same region. Same region, all but five years in the same city. In those five years where I was at, Fairfield was 120 miles up the road, but our entire infrastructure was still in the city of Providence. And after 12 years and after, you know, having multiple opportunities to change, the right opportunity didn't present itself. And as hard as it was to leave, I still thought Georgetown was a fit and is a fit. It's still in the big East, which has never been done. So I can understand the angst and anger that some of our, uh, even my own family, my own family, let alone the the, the fans and the supporters of Providence college. I just hope at the end of the day, me leaving does not take away the pride, love and respect I have for the city and for that school. No, I listen, I, I've been through a similar situation, a similar
0: change where I loved where I was at. You and I talked about that when, when I went through it, um, you can love a place and still feel like there's an opportunity for you, or just in, in your case, a, a time for a change.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: and what you, you know, listen, Ed, I think people who know what you did there, that's part of the reason there was probably so much angst is you you did such an unbelievable job there. You really mm-hmm. did. And people who have followed Big East basketball or Providence basketball for a number of years, Um, you know, coaches, you know, fans don't, fans don't throw fits when, you know, they don't want coaches to leave The bottom line is, is you were, you were beloved there um, because of of what you did. So I totally, I totally understand that the the, kind of the biggest mispercept, were there misperceptions about your move? Well, In other words, like,
1: I think because in the past I've always used the words like never. Um, and I would say for the up and coming coaches that are, are going to have the opportunity to coach in their hometown, never is a hard word. Never is a hard word. And in doing so, I think I gave a false sense of loyalty. And, and and I mean that in a humbling way in at that point in time never was in play because it wasn't an opportunity I saw leaving yet as life moves forward your children get older my daughter's going to live in the uh, in the in the city my son is going to come live in the city it just was the right time and never was a hard word because I think it gave our fan base there and I still say our I mean I'm born and raised there so it's not like I can't take that away, but I do understand their anger. I do. Sure. I hope they, I hope at the end of the day, they respect the job we've done. Yep. They have a top 20 team. They have a top five fan base in college basketball, oh, yeah. sold out crowds, fundraising at the highest level because of their new leadership. So when it's all said and done, I think both parties are going to win.
0: Yeah. No, I, I think it'll continue to roll at a high level. It is an it's an incredibly passionate fan base, and I think that's what uh, what made it such a difficult place to play. They are they are really really passionate. So, um, no, I appreciate you addressing that um, as well. I know TD, you had a question.
2: Yeah, coach for our for our viewers and listeners who don't know who Coach Ed Cooley is and how he coaches, what's an Ed Cooley coach team look like for our, for our listeners who don't actually know yet.
1: First and foremost, I think you're going to see a very physical team, a very connected team, a team that doesn't worry about so much mistakes as we do the final result. Uh, you know, I always talk about in, in, in the game of sport, there's always turbulent air. In basketball, it's going to be turbulent air like you're in the plane, but it's going to settle down somehow, some way. So when you see one of our teams play, you're going to see an athletic, physical, um, connected discipline group. And if it's not that way, then there'll be substitutions made. I don't, we don't need the best talent on the floor. We need the most connected players, the most buy in players, and maybe a special one here or there. But you don't need five ultra talented guys that have their own individual, I would use the word individual uh, agendas if that's happening you're never going to play for me and if you're soft you mind to stay home i'm not coaching a soft young man i'm not and you can categorize that however the hell you want
2: yeah i've I've appreciated watching your teams play these last couple of years especially this past year where you have many close games and you guys pulled out pulled out a lot of them um so you can tell that comes from coaching and and how you coach and how your guys um you know respond to that I appreciate it
0: yeah you you Toughness is is definitely, I think the most uh, uh, the the biggest trait of your teams in, in coaching against them. Um, I, I think toughness and in, in overall physicality and competitiveness. like very rarely did we compete against you or watch you on film and your team wasn't wasn't tough enough or wasn't uh, highly competitive. and that that certainly is the personality that you bring to it. In your career as you got started, because when I when I look at you, Ed, I really do think and I'm not just saying that I think you're the total package as a coach. When you were getting started, um, was it hard getting a, a a head coaching job that people see because of your personality? Um, uh, he is just a recruiter or or, you know, he kind of puts you in a certain box. Was it hard getting a head coaching job uh, your first
1: start? It's brutal getting a head coaching job. And and honestly, coach, I thought from day one, I knew I was a head coach. Now I I was mentored by coach Skinner. I was mentored by John Thompson. Um, I really respected Nolan Richardson and George Raveling as a young black kid growing up. Those were the only people I saw that looked like me that was on ESPN at that moment. That was on NBC with, uh, you know, uh, McGuire and, um, Dick Emberg. Uh, so like I said, one day I want to be a head coach and for all of the young coaches that are coming up, you got to speak your existence by being humble, by going and speaking existence to sitting head coaches. Hey, I want to be a head coach, ask hard questions. How did you become a head coach? Just like you're asking me, you know, I was a volunteer assistant at UMass Dartmouth division three while still teaching. Then I went to a division two, you know, part-time coach while still teaching. Took a pay cut to become a restricted earnings coach at the University of Rhode Island. When, you know, Norese was pregnant, we were buying our first home and getting married. So going backwards to move forward is a lot. You went through the same routine. Everybody sees where you're at now, coach. And the journey to get there is brutal. And then when head coaching opportunities come up, Everybody says, don't take this job, don't take that job. Any job in Division One is an opportunity for you to put your feet in the ground there and make that job special. So yep. honestly, Coach, I was born a head coach. And yep. I still think I'm born to be a leader. Yep. And now in the situation that you and I are in, now we want to coach coaches. Yep. So this is a really good program for coaches to listen to because the coaches that you're going to have on could give their journey, give their story. And it's brutally hard getting a head coaching job. Yep. Brutally hard. And yep. for those of us that are fortunate to have it, now how do you keep it? How do you give back to your community? How do you recruit the right student athletes, character? You know, yep. you talked about toughness, not just physical, but emotional toughness. Yep. You know, can you withstand the storm? Yep. So that's kind of my way of saying it's possible to be a head coach. Some people are not meant to be head coaches. Yep. They're not. Yep. For whatever reason, it's it may be too overwhelming. You may be too nice of a person. You know, I think the best head coaches are not askers. They're demanders, but they do it with love and compassion. Yep. We're not here to ask too many questions with respect to how, you know, oh, well, you're one for 13. Well, you probably shouldn't take the 14 shots. Yep. No. Yep. One for 39, I think we need a, we need a sub. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no doubt.
0: No doubt. Yeah. I I think, and I don't know, you know, you probably all always had a, an ability to motivate young people. Um, What I, again, what I've been impressed with, clearly you can communicate at a really high level and that helps you in recruiting. Um, But you can tell your teams are really well taught. And there's a high level accountability within your program, which I think are all constants, you know, with highly successful programs is they have a system they believe in that they can teach at a high level and they have high level accountability. And that's always been the case uh, for you guys. You told me a couple of years ago uh, or you told me actually this year, uh, you and I talked throughout the year and you said a couple of years ago, you you made a little bit of a change in how you played. Mm -hmm. After maybe there was a year or two where you didn't get to the tournament, you were like, hey, uh, obviously you had the incredible S- Sweet 16 run last year, Naismith uh, Coach of the Year, Big East Coach of the Year for the first time in Providence school history. Um, what what changes were those you made strategically?
1: Well, I thought we had a change with the times, you know, as far as the pace, the flow of offense, the body movement, ball movement really recruiting interchangeable pieces right now. How many actual true point guards are in basketball right now? How many like back to the basket, you know, post players are there right now? You know, there's still a few that you utilize their strength, but I thought picking up the pace, shrinking the shot clock in practice to 20 seconds was Mm -hmm. a big, big key to our development with pace, where our players didn't panic under seven seconds. You see so many teams... Yell from the bench, if I four that gives them anxiety out the yeah. gate. Yeah. So we practiced anxiety basketball with yeah. pace. And that really helped. And I think it's going to help our recruiting. I think it's going to be not so much you want it fun for the fans, because fun is winning. F- yeah. fun is winning. You know, I don't care if you played in the 20s. If you're winning, winning's winning. Absolutely. Wow you know i I'll, I'll win 20 to 20 i'll uh, 21 20 tomorrow yeah. if that's yet i think the job we have right now in today's day and age excitement enthusiasm and really coaching someone's talent not so much your system yep my entire philosophy is put the best players in the best positions on the floor to have individual success toward team winning and if you can do that You're going to maximize your teams.
0: What's the rotation look like for you? Uh, And does it change as you get into the year? Is it nine deep, 10 deep, you know, uh, eight once you get closer? Or is it depending on what your roster looks like?
1: Great question. And this is really good for the listeners here, especially young coaches. So you always want to give everyone an opportunity early. So depending on where you are with your program, if you have an established group, your rotation early may be tight if 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 you're just coming in taking a job and you're trying to see who you are early part of the games you'll probably schedule to where you can play multiple players to see where they're at and where you are as a program yet as the season comes on you get to the magnificent 7 or you know iron 8 yep after that somebody's going to get not even a cup of coffee but a, an espresso shot of playing time yeah right? <laughs> a quick espresso shot And then a sub's coming because you don't have time for development in a one or two possession that you know. You know, Georgetown's going to Ohio State and it's February 10th. I don't know if you're going deep into that rotation because you know from practice, from games, from film, from everyday habits. And this is what you tell your players. Like your everyday habit will tell us how much you're going to play. Yep. Are you reliable? Are you dependable and do you produce? Yeah. You know, those three three things are aligned. You're probably going to be a rotational player, if not a starter.
0: No doubt. Let me give a, let me ask you a strategy question. End of game situational for, for our listeners, for our coaches, Uh, could be high school, could be college coaches. So let's say in, this may not be standard, but let's say you're, you're, you're down one or two and there is, about a 10 second dif- eight to 10 second differential between the game clock and the shot clock. So let's say we've got 40 seconds on the uh on the game clock. You're down one or two. How are you playing that defensive possession? And is there a marker in which you're saying, hey, this is a non-negotiable we're fouling? I
1: know you're picking up playing your team, but how are you playing that? So can we give the scenario of down down one or two with, say, 41, 42 seconds? You got it. I'm definitely using that as a two-for-one. I'm going to try to score in the first five to seven seconds, hopefully. And that's the way we practice. We practice under four minutes to start practice yep. just about every single day. So we have those situations. I'll have five or six quick hitters that open up, depending on if you're up, I mean, uh, down one or down two, I'm trying to go get a quick, quick basket. In doing so, hopefully I have two timeouts and I'm going to utilize one right out the gate or I'm going to see just through coaching against my opponent's coach, um, what's their strategy like when they're up or down a situation. But I'm going to try to score it really, really quick. If I'm down two, that's where the strategy changes. Because if you're down two and you have a quick hitter and it's not there now you're down four potentially if they score game set match probably yep so that strategy will change that that strategy will change for sure for sure for sure
0: all right let me flip it on you and so let me flip it on you so you're 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 down two it's their ball full court um and and are you at what point are you deciding hey, we are fouling and extending the game. Um, or we are playing this possession out and I'm going to rely on our defense or our ability to turn them over in the four or the half court. Maybe you're changing up how you're playing. How much time? Uh, let's let's say 40 seconds. 40 seconds, you're down one or two. It's their ball. Down two. Down two. It's yeah. their ball. Yeah. Is there a point at which you're saying, hey, we're definitely fouling or or are you going to, are you going to let your defense or does it depend on how good your defense is in a given year?
1: I would say that's it. Depending on, for the most part, we're sitting, we're guarding you. Okay. We're, we're guarding you. We're, we're, we're going to guard the hell out of you. There yep. may be a blitz in the ball. If it's a ball screen, do you blitz it? You yep. know, to stay aggressive. And, you know, because if, if if you're up to 40 seconds left to play, we'll probably full court man to man. Or we may have some sort of zone press Yeah, you know, depending on what ball hands you have, you have a good point guard. You have multiple ball handlers, but if you get into the front court, you're probably not shooting until under seven seconds on the shot clock. I would say, I would say under, uh, definitely under ten. Yep. So now I'm just going to rely on our defense. So that is a situation that we would practice like a lot. Down two, down one, full court. We're not fouling. We're not yep. now an offensive rebound, obviously you're going to foul right away. That's um, right. I'm going to rely. I'm going to trust our deep, especially early in the year to try to give them confidence that we can defend anyone. Gotcha. That's a tough call though, man. That's that's
0: no, it's a tough call. I mean, I, you know, we've all been in at a few different situations and do you extend the game? We all pick up in those situations. We're all going to try to, blitz a ball screen to your point or create a turnover, but uh, uh, you give up an offensive rebound, the game's probably over. Probably. Um, So anyway, that's good. That's really, that's really helpful. It's really helpful.
2: Coach, you've been coaching for a long time now. And um, as we've, we're all getting older now, we kind of see the change in college basketball. What was your, your biggest difficulty in coaching when you first started versus now like what's the biggest differences I guess the hardest part of coaching then and versus now
1: I would say social media has played a seismic role um in the past you can you know be in Vegas and be at Cimarron and find a Brandon Roy you can find an Andre Iguodala before the world knew about him you can find a Jared Dudley or Craig Smith you know you can find a Sean Williams um you can find a Troy Bell. Like today's day, you can't, it's hard to find, quote unquote, the diamond in the rough. So, for, again, for our listeners, especially our long co- young coaches, we as head coaches that have now been established, I want to hire an evaluator, not a recruiter. You need to evaluate, not somebody who can play at Ohio State, who can play for Coach Holtman. Mm -hmm. What are the characteristics that can play for him? Not so much that can just go to Ohio State. I mean, are they skilled enough for the way he plays? Are they emotionally connected to the community of the players that he wants? So I would say between that and the rule changes of official visits, NIL, transfer portal, those things have created a seismic change in all of recruiting. And then the way you run your organization of which I think the portal and COVID has hurt freshman recruiting for yeah. sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. I, that's really good. The the evaluation piece is really interesting. Uh, and it's, it's such a good point because it may be different, right? Like it may be different from coach to coach and you're hiring new staff, you're hiring guys, hopefully that, that, you know, uh, well, but in some cases you don't. And Uh, the ability, I think the best, probably assistant coaches we've had, the best guys we've had have been able to say, Hey, this guy's going to fit really well into, um, you know, how coach Cooley wants to coach, um, which in your case, and certainly in our case, there has to be an element of physical and mental toughness for sure. And the ability to be coached and coached hard, I think in in both, both cases, but that's a really, really interesting, interesting point. Um, let me let me ask uh, I'm gonna jump around here a little bit TD another strategy question and you and I've talked about this it's February Ed and you play Creighton at Creighton <laughs> it's uh what is that uh, dollar beer night or whatever oh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> Matt got him going crazy in there
0: <laughs> oh yeah it's dollar beer night at Creighton um on a Tuesday night and it's a 9 p.m. Cause you're both nationally ranked. So it's a 9 p.m. tip on FS1. You're getting you're rolling back um in into the, in the DC at whatever hour. Right. You play you're playing at home, let's say Xavier at noon on Saturday. What do those next couple of days lo- look like for for you? Uh most importantly, your players, but also your staff.
1: That is a great question. And again, like this is like a coaching clinic one-on-one with the questions you're giving for all of our listeners and like great questions. So what we did and what we learned is if we got a late game that far from home, we're going to stay over that night
0: mm-hmm.
1: versus get right. home at four in the morning. Basic, you know, how, first of all, how attentive are your players going to be in class at 8 a.m.? How attentive mm-hmm. are you going to be? So that'll allow us to go back to either the Marriott there, where we would stay, or the Hilton right across from the arena. Yeah, we would meet as a staff there. You know, we'll clean up. You know uh, what we did well against Creighton, what we have to improve on to go to Xavier um, on Thursday. Uh, you know, you know Wednesday night into the evening. But let's say night. you're playing Xavier at home. Yep. Okay. So you know, no problem. Xavier at home. So we get up Thursday, have a great meal, guys, get a good night's sleep. Um, so we'll probably get up around nine, probably 830, uh, you know, eight, probably get up at eight, 815 breakfast, be on the bus by 915, get to the plane by 10, you know, wheels up 1030, two and a half hour ride home. You know, the minute we get off the plane, you know, we'll go right to film, we'll practice and it'll be somewhat normal, you know, uh, you know, we'll clean up what we did the night before zone man ball screen coverage show some personnel you know show some personnel of Xavier um at the beginning of practice we'll probably after we watch film lift lift shoot you know probably dummy shell their five main offenses you know maybe and you'll do they press you know what type of ball screen uh, offense are we going to run? I will then, I call an offensive menu against an opposing yep. team. Yep. Um, we will shoot some free throws. Um, then we would watch film at the end of practice again, on the floor, standing up, standing yep. up, not so much sitting down, go over their five sets, six sets that set, they run to try to take away and then shut them down. And then we would meet as a staff to go over the last two yep. games that if we played them before, or if we hadn't played them yet, but for the most part, you would have played before, we would evaluate that film um and then shut it down. Okay. Got it. So,
0: so uh you get back, you're you're doing something light, Thursday's relatively light. Is Thursday your harder practice day or is Friday um or is it a feel thing? Because I feel. know for a lot of feel. coaches, it's yep. a feel, feel. Thing. So
1: some by that time you kind of done a lot. Yep. It, it all depends on what type of team you have, to. If, especially if you've got a veteran team and a connected team. That's right. You know, you know I don't want to beat their bodies up. Yep. You know, and then and then on Friday you're afraid because you've got an early game on Saturday. But we'll play 20 minutes on Friday for sure. 20 minutes for sure we'll get up and down in some 5 You'll on 5 You'll play. We'll play. But 20 minutes. 20 mm-hmm. minutes.
0: Five-on-five, you, five, you guys are getting up and down. You're getting you're, after, you're
1: pressing, you know mm-hmm. – you know, working on ball screen coverage, yep. working on closeouts, angles yep. of our feet, um, always yep. working on angles. You know, little stuff, post passing. Yep. But it, it it'll be competitive now, and yep. and, and you're going to rebound. It's going to be a rebound and drill in there.
0: You Interesting.
1: Know, you're 18 to 22 years old. Go 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 eat, I tell them. Go get a rebound and don't be a baby. But it's that's 20 true. minutes. 20, that's yep. all I'm going to do. 20 minutes. That's okay. all you need. And then you'll throw in some film,
0: obviously clean yeah. up
1: or, or, or film. But so we'll one Lot of shooting, whether okay, if they play zone, we have a zone shooting package. If it's man to man, okay. How are we scoring off our ball screens? Do they do they bump cross screens? How do they guard flare screens? You know, yep. do they switch one through four? Where's Waldo? I'm finding Waldo. Waldo's a bad defender. <laughs> <You are. laughs> We're gonna find Waldo. I'll hold the game up to find Waldo.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. No, no doubt you will. You doubt. you found a few Waldos that that uh when I've coached against you. Yeah, you've done that.
1: As did you <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, that's that's great that's great
2: td yeah coach um you've mentioned earlier in this podcast and you've and you've gone back to it a lot young coaches trying to get into the profession of coaching and uh becoming a head coach what was the biggest mistake that you made early on in your career that you can kind of give advice to going forward for for the young group of coaches coming up
1: that's a great question what mistakes um I've made mistakes coaching. I don't know if I've made mistakes. It could, being be, coaching,
2: it could be coaching and recruiting. It could be, you know, um, it could be twofold would, for you, I guess.
1: I would say the biggest the, the biggest mistake is probably being trying to win too fast, hmm. putting all that pressure on yourself that you're feeling externally hmm. from supporters, from, you know, you've got an AD who can be in his last year or two on his contract. Yeah. Um, you know, did I oversell a situation where we're still developing because we need fan support, and you're yeah. trying to put people in the building? You know, not for, you, you, here's here's the biggest mistake that this okay just got me. We all have said I didn't follow my gut in the mm-hmm. game, especially as you're getting older. Your gut is your second mind, if not your best thought. You follow your gut in a situation. You know, if we're up three, are we fouling? You know, Johnny's cooking right now. Why go to Billy? You know, follow your gut in situations, and I would say that's the best advice I can give coaching. If you feel it, be all in. Go do it. Do it. Great. Great.
0: Uh, That's that, and that answers your second question. I think TV you were going to ask about advice that follow your gut for young coaches follow your instincts follow your gut uh, be yourself in each mm-hmm. situation uh you know i've said coach to my convictions coach to what i believe um and what we believe as a program don't deviate from it but trusting your gut there are so many situational things whether it's in practice um or in games that um you know you you might not have been prepared for mm-hmm. and so you've got to trust your instincts and your guts. That that's, that's great, Ed. That's really good. Uh, last one or two before we let you, let you get out of here. Um, you're, you're, you're going through something really, and, and it could have been this year, right? You you love, uh, you loved where you were at. You have, you've had incredible opportunities in the past that you've said no to this new opportunity came about. You're trying to decide what's best, you know, you and I have been, have been, you know, close friends as we've gotten through this in coaching. I also understand, you know, in this business, there's sometimes, maybe it's just family or there's, when you're going through something really difficult in coaching, are there a couple people that you're calling and saying, Hey, listen, you got to shoot me straight. Yeah. You got to be honest with me. Yeah, Help me do this better. Like, you know, you mentioned a couple of your mentors in the profession. I'm not sure if you still talk to them about, you know, things in coaching, but are there a couple guys you go to?
1: Well, one I'm speaking to for sure, you know, hundred percent Um
0: and you don't have to name names, but I just no, curious, no, I mean, like, hey,
1: hey coach, the one thing you know about me is I'm I'm super transparent, man. Yeah. I did there's uh Matt Painter and I are really, really close. Mark Fox, um Conzo yeah. Martin. I would call it. uh I would call. Um, coach Skinner I still talk to coach Skinner Perry Clark um, you know because there are different styles and there are different voices for different situations amongst the season and you try to utilize all of their experiences that could mimic some of the situations that you're going through you know and and the other person I talk to a lot is a therapist you know we as coaches we need help whether it's work life balance whether it's stress whether it's pressure whether it's different ways to approach leadership i have an incredible therapist that i'm proud to say i speak to twice a week and yeah. i would advise all leaders not just in leadership position but people who are aspiring to be great leaders to get some help yeah to get some help and and, and it's okay it's okay yeah ask you- hard questions to become better yeah no,
0: you you'll have no idea, I think, how much that helps young coaches. That vulnerability, you're in, you know, you you've become obviously an elite coach for a number of years. And that to be that vulnerable and that honest, I see one as well. So, and that's uh that's big time
1: stuff. But um, I would tell what I would also tell a lot of coaches and leaders that are going to listen to this incredible podcast that we're doing right here is make sure when you do get to become a head coach or a leader in a leadership position. You remain true to who you are to get there. Don't get to what we call a a mountaintop because we're still climbing and your personality changes, your values change. You become the know-it-all. Stay humble, bring people with you, be in your community. Um, You have a small circle of trust, but you can have a wide net of influence. Because people are excited to see you stop and say hello, invite coaches to practice, invite people in with respect to a boundary. Um, I see so many coaches change when they become head coaches, like they created the bounce of the ball or, you know, they created the first loaf of bread. Don't do that. Give back to your community. Give back to your area. Let young men and women know that they can to become the whatever, whatever, whatever by just your presence in their presence, make them feel bigger than you. That's great. Great. No, we're going to end there.
0: We're going to end there. Ed, this is, this has been really, really good, man. I I can't thank you enough. Your wisdom, the experiences you've been through, uh, obviously your success speaks for itself and you know how much uh, I care about you. So, uh, good luck as you continue to transition. I know how those moves are for families in terms of a lot going on, a lot of moving parts. But uh, uh, appreciate you, man. And, I appreciate
1: uh, you. I appreciate you, Coach. The, pre- the pressure is a privilege. If if you feel that pressure and anything that you're doing, feel the privilege to change it, Coach. We're going to be all right here at Georgetown. We may we may go through a little bump in the road, but at the end of the day, this thing will smooth out and will become one of the national basketball programs once again in America.
0: Yep. I believe that. I, I believe, believe that. Coach, I appreciate it. Ed, great seeing you. And
1: Love uh, coming we'll, on, coach, appreciate we'll you guys so brother. much. Have, have a great weekend. I appreciate you guys so much. All right. Thanks
0: everybody for joining us. That was Ed Cooley. Ed uh is a good friend and he's one heck of a coach and has done a great job, really wherever he's been. Um He's he's a dear friend, and I'm happy for him and this this next journey for he and his family at the Georgetown. You know he's real. That's the thing about Ed it is uh, he's real. He's always been real. He's great to ha- go have a beer with, and at the same time, he's uh, he's one heck of a basketball coach. So uh, TD, hopefully our listeners enjoyed that young coaches,
2: veteran coaches, kind of enjoyed listening to him. I definitely enjoyed Coach Cooley. Um you can tell by his energy, the way, the way he talks, that's kind of how his teams play, you know, very energetic, uh, tough. And, you know, he coaches in in realness and coaches in truth. And, um, you know, I'm excited for him and his journey at Georgetown.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Best wishes to Ed. Thanks for having, uh, thanks for hopping on here, Ed. So I look forward to uh, seeing everybody in the future. Thanks for listening to this episode of more than coach Speak.